Greetings and salutations. You're listening to This Ends at Prom, a podcast where I, teen movie apologist BJ Colangelo, show my wife, Harmony Colangelo, a seminal teen girl movie that I missed out on because I grew up as a teen boy. Is today's movie truly emblematic of womanhood? Or of rose-colored nostalgia glasses warped your perspective? Circle yes, no, or maybe to find out if we're crowning a queen? Or if we're killing the teen dream. Welcome to This Ends at Prom. This Ends at Prom is a Pod People production. I don't wanna be your merch girl. I wanna be your goddamn idol. And I don't wanna have to work twice as hard for the same motherfucking title. But I. Welcome back, prom party. Hello. I hope everyone has had a wonderful week. I've had a pretty good week. How about you, Harmony? Uh, it's been a fine week. I had a I had a man today compliment my Marilyn Monroe t-shirt, but it was a Wendy O. Williams t-shirt from the Plasmatics, and she definitely has a mohawk, so I don't really know what he was getting at. I kind of want to imagine a world where Marilyn Monroe at some point did have a mohawk, though. I think that would be very cool. Somebody has to have made art of her with a mohawk. I'm sure... I love I, that. It's it's a choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, this week, friends, we are doing something really special because we have a wonderful special guest with us this week. We have a writer and essayist. You also may know her from Bravo's Newlyweds the first year, and as well as being the host of the brand new podcast, 17, we have Laura Lee Abbey with us. Hi, Laura Lee. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm really excited to have you here as well. <laughs> I am so glad to finally get to talk about the movie that you've chosen. So if you could share with everybody, what movie are we talking about today? Okay, we are talking about Never Been Kissed. Oh, one of my all-time favorites. And oh, I can't, I cannot wait to dive into this. What, one of oh, the core really? <laughs> inspirations for this podcast, honestly. This is. For those who do not know, um, you know, The Sunset Prom was originally supposed to be a column for a magazine, and then COVID hit, and suddenly all of that beautiful freelance money dried up. And we got the, uh, the rights to this back, but it was uh, stemmed out of seeing 10 Things I Hate About You and Never Been Kissed and having pretty differing opinions on those movies. Well, one of those much more than the other. <laughs> it's very, very true. Um, but before we really start to dissect, um, as always, friends, we have morning announcements. And our morning announcements this week, a reminder that we have a Patreon, patreon.com backslash this ends at prom. We've started our Pen15 rewatch. We've got all of our teen boy movies. We've got our playlist. We've got lots of fun stuff going on over there. And as always, you can follow any of the film writing I'm doing over at Slash Film. I have been sneaking in a lot more teen content. If you've noticed that, my Slash Film readers, uh, you're welcome. I did get to interview Alicia Silverstone about a shark movie called The Reckon that I recommend you all check out because she's doing some cool stuff in there. Uh, but that's as far as I got from morning announcements you got anything harmony i, I reckon it's worth reading oh beautiful <laughs> pun i'm like i have nothing else to plug here we go this is my contribution beautiful <laughs> so Lorelei, what is it about never been kissed that made you want to talk about this movie in particular i mean okay so that whole 
time. I mean, seeing movies when I was a teenager, like just everything that was happening then, the films were, there's just a level of like insanity that I'm like, how did these get made? <laughs> um, but I think, so that came out in 99. I think I was like 14. So for me, that film really kind of became like the gold standard for me um, of like the rom-com era. I felt like I was kind of her, like I was this brainy kid who was really good in English and always wanted to share and always did all the reading and I was just not cute. And so suddenly this movie kind of told me like, oh, it's the adults who are going to get you and growing up is going to be this ticket to being cool and being understood. So I started to kind of feel like, oh, these all these teenage idiots, like they're just not deep like me. Um, <laughs> and someday someone will get me. And I think by someone, I meant a guy. And then I ended up with a wife. So I kind of was just wrong about everything, um, including <laughs> my love for this film. But I just thought it was so great. <laughs> and now, you know, looking back, I'm like, okay, there's a lot to unpack. <laughs> Harmony, how about you? When was the first time you ever saw this movie? Um, I don't know. What three years ago? <laughs> so when the, when I showed it to when you, that you was your first time. Me? Oh my god! Yeah, I had no investment other like than a very vague parody in not another teen movie. And aside from that, I'm like, I don't know anything about what's happening in this film. And you're sitting there like so eager, going like, okay, but I wanted to be a journalist, and I thought that this was the coolest <laughs> thing because I absolutely wanted to be Drew Barrymore. <laughs> this is very true. My introduction to this movie is that I watch it at a sleepover with my friends uh, right when it came out on DVD or VHS, I assume, at that point. Um, and we watched it, and I got really emotionally invested in Josie Geller's story because I did want to be a writer, and I did feel like this weird alien and that people didn't understand me. And they got me in with just, you play the Beach Boys at just the right time, and it like pulls the, <laughs> the emotional strings a little bit. Oh, yeah. So I sat there, and like when he doesn't show up on the pitcher's mound, I was crying. I was like, what is wrong with me? And it's only been in you know my adulthood that I look back and I really start to look at what's happening in this movie and what messages are being sent that it's like, oh oh, wow, I got kind of bamboozled by this movie. But uh, this is this is a perfect example of a movie that I love critically. I love this movie. I can't change the way that it made me feel, but I can recognize I have the language now to, uh, <laughs> to, to understand its more problematic elements, so to speak. That's so accurate. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm late. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I'm sorry. I forgot to take my hot flash medication today. <laughs> oh, please sit. So this is a movie that came out in 1999, which we know is kind of the pinnacle of teen cinema. Oh, is it? <laughs> and uh, Harmony, what kind of context do you have for us this week? Um, okay, so we have not provided context for every single movie that we covered. We only started that like 30 or 40 episodes in. Mm -hmm. But this is our, by my count, sixth film from 1999 alone. Wow. Um, <laughs> it is the it is the best year for teen cinema ever. Yes. There are still plenty of more fantastic films coming down like the pipeline for that. Like we haven't done Election yet. We haven't done Jawbreaker yet. We haven't done Varsity Blues or any number of like amazing movies from this year <laughs> still. Like there, our cup runneth over. So we've pretty thoroughly discussed this. Mm -hmm. But BJ, something that I know you wanted to talk about a little bit because. I, I don't want to be a snake eating their own tail by just going over this year, year after year. Mm -hmm. Tell me about what's going on with Drew Barrymore. Oh, yes. All right. So for those that are not uh, well-versed in the Drew Barrymore career the way that I am, because I'm obsessed with her, 
1998 to about 2002 is kind of the Drew Barrymore renaissance. So as most people know, Drew Barrymore got her start as a child actor. She's Gertie in E.T. She's the fire starter. Like we, we know these things. And then Drew kind of had a wild child period uh, in the early 90s where she was wiling out as a lot of child stars do. And then 1996 happens and we get Scream. Uh And that was supposed to be the moment where it's like Drew Barrymore is coming back. That's why they cast her as Casey Becker because it was the big bamboozle for the entire audience that, oh my God, this amazing actor that we've been following for so many years and then they kill her in the first 10 minutes. And that's, you know, to set the stage that you have no idea what's coming. We're subverting all of these these horror movie tropes. Uh So that was supposed to be the big comeback. Her big comeback didn't actually happen until about 1998, and that's when we got uh, The Wedding Singer. God, I love The Wedding and Singer. And Home Fries. Two movies, like Home Fries is a little underrated in my opinion, but The Wedding Singer, that's the big one. That one made a dumb amount of money. And then 1999, she's in Never Been Kissed, which also made a ton of money and became this like beloved classic. It came out during 1999, as we said, the peak of teen cinema. There's so many movies competing for attention and this one did thrive. And then the following year is Charlie's Angels. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of... We're in the middle of the Drew Barrymore like renaissance period right now uh-huh. where she's kind of untouchable and she's in her America sweetheart period. And I think that's really important to note when we start getting into kind of the the more questionable aspects of this film. I think a lot of people didn't take the time to interrogate it when it came out because we all just love Drew Barrymore so much. Yeah. So absolutely. I, I think that's I think that's what kind of what we're going into. So Laura Lee, if you had to explain to somebody who's never seen this movie before what Never Been Kissed is about, how would you sell them on this movie? Okay. Uh, good question. Um, so I would tell them, you know, this this young, frumpy newspaper copy editor and self-described, I think it's geek to the core, Josie Geller, for no reason that I'll ever understand, gets assigned to go undercover and back to high school to break the story on on whatever high school kids are up to. So it's like this chance to kind of start again, which who doesn't want that, right? Go back and do it all better and be cool. But instead, the cool kids just eat her alive once again <laughs> um, until her very cool younger brother, I think he's younger, shows up. He helps make her cool. And as all of this is going on, she's falling hard for her super adorable English teacher, who is also clearly falling hard for her. Um, And so then, I don't know, do I give away the ending? (laughs) I mean, if you want to. I I, I go into these episodes assuming people have seen them. Yeah. But we do have plenty of people who listen. They're like, I've never heard of half these movies. I just like listening to banter. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. They have to stop now and watch Never Been Kissed and just enjoy it for everything that it is. Um, (laughs) Because I will tell you, I really believe that – is as questionable, and I know we'll get to that, some of the parts of this movie are, the kiss really saves the movie because a good kiss can, like, a bad kiss can wreck a whole movie for me, but a good kiss can just, like, elevate it. Um, so she does get that kiss at the end of the film with the English teacher, but this time he knows that she's a proper grown-up, so, you know, totally fine. No, no problem. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it just, you know, it's really a movie about, like, reinventing yourself and starting over and and going back but also like as accepting yourself for who you are at the same time right and like falling in love with that person 
Absolutely. I'm really glad that you brought up that point because that's always been one of my big takeaways is that this movie is just as much about falling in love with yourself as it is about like finding somebody to love you. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the more important message here in my opinion. So we we know that Drew Barrymore is is our leading lady and we know that that means we got to talk about Josie Grossy, Josie Geller. Harmony, <laughs> how do you feel about Josie? Oh, I I have a lot of kind of secondhand embarrassment for her because uh-huh. she's so socially awkward and just really proves every point where it's just like, hey, I'm going to mess with your nameplate on your door and, you know, you can't handle that. And it's like, yeah, I can. And then immediately fixes it the second they walk away. Mm-hmm. It's like, you are exactly what everyone thinks you are, but you don't want to be. You want to be cool. You kind of want to let loose, but you're so uh, you're so high strung and uptight <laughs> and like i get that because she got made fun of relentlessly in school so now she's like oh if i fuck up even slightly then they're gonna come for me mm-hmm. so like it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy and that sucks mm-hmm. but she gets to go to high school and you think like oh this is it i i got molly shannon during her like very brief molly shannon's allowed to be sexy period which i love <laughs> she dressed me up she got this great outfit question in quotes with with feathers and she had confidence for about a half hour uh-huh. <laughs> it, it doesn't last and then it doesn't really get better until david arquette shows up <laughs> which is the story of my life things don't get better till david arquette shows up <laughs> I do love David Arquette, and we'll definitely talk about him. Uh, Loralee, how do you feel about Josie? Oh, I don't know. I feel like Harmony. You really, you you really nailed Josie. I, I mean, I love her. She's just, yeah. She needs. It's like all of her friends are these older women she works with. Like, and shout out to Octavia Spencer um, in this film. But mm-hmm. she needs. She just doesn't seem like she's ever really had friends her own age to kind of question the ridiculous things she's doing um and so i feel like yeah she is so excited to have this opportunity to go back but she doesn't even it hasn't really occurred to her like she knows she was a geek but it doesn't occur to her that she can't really go back to high school as the same person and just suddenly she's gonna fit in right so there's just so much of her that you're like wait like you look ridiculous in any decade (laughs) like that (laughs) outfit is not gonna work but She's you gotta love her because she's just so sweet. Yeah, I so, so speaking of, of Drew Barrymore, obviously she was in the wedding singer with Adam Sandler the year before this. And like the other comparison of this particular situation I can think of is in Billy Madison when Adam Sandler rolls up and he's got like his like cool muscle car and he's wearing like his 80s regalia, listening to some hair metal, and he thinks like, Yeah, I'm so cool. And everyone's like, You're a fucking loser. Yeah. <laughs> everything he loves is so poorly aged. Right. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's a really good comparison. I have always like had this weird kindred spirit thing with Josie in that like I was never that much of the social outcast by any stretch of the imagination, but I did always feel like I was very misunderstood. And I have such an empathy for somebody like Josie. Like when we get that reveal that she has done like 7,000 pillows of needlepoint and like her bed at her house is just nothing <laughs> but needlepoint pillows. Mm-hmm. Like my heart breaks for her because that takes so much time. So, you know, she's not going out with friends like 
there is a, a meme that I saw earlier this week where somebody was talking about how your work friends are the weirdest relationships because it's like, I've never had dinner with you. I've never actually hung out with you outside of work, but I know you tried to poison your husband that one time. <laughs> I just time. saw that today. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that's who Josie is. Like she doesn't hang out with any of these people outside of work, but she knows that Molly Shannon is having, you know, sex with Roger from op-ed. She knows like everybody is like weird diet quirks based on what they have in the fridge at the Chicago Sun-Times. Like she has all of these things. And when she goes back to high school and is immediately kind of shut down, my heart hurts for her. But the reason that I'm like, yep, I relate to Josie is who is the first person that she clings to and talks to? Lily Sobieski, my first celebrity crush. Oh, so yeah. uh, <laughs> the fact that she's like gravitating towards this person, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that's me. Because I would have done the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But speaking of like working at the, the Chicago Sun-Times, um, I, I, lo- I love movies that have beautiful establishing shots of like just the Chicago skyline and the buildings in the city because Chicago looks great. Oh, yeah. And my hometown of uh, Cleveland does not get that kind of treatment. People, <laughs> we get the opening of major leagues, which is not quite as glamorous. But what's funny is VJ pointed out like, oh, yeah, this wasn't even filmed in Chicago. No, it wasn't. It's mostly in, in California. They do some establishing shots of the Chicago River, and there's a couple, like, skyscrapery scenes. Um, it's also interesting because it's supposed to be set in um, the neighborhood of kind of like Downers Grove, a lot of the similar area where, like, John Hughes movies are shot, mm-hmm. a lot of the similar area of, like, where Mean Girls is set. Because for whatever reason, I'm blaming John Hughes. We've just culturally decided that if you're going to make a teen movie, it's going to be set in the Chicago suburbs. Yes. Um, So I think that's what they were doing. But what's interesting, though, is that uh, I'm glad you pointed out like Octavia Spencer is we also have John C. Riley, who at the time, he was just kind of like a Chicago guy. Like Mm -hmm. he was doing a lot of Chicago acting and he wasn't John C. Riley as we know him today. So they did pull in a lot of like local talent for this movie. And those are people that they happened to pull and they just you know, inevitably they became up. they became huge superstars, which yeah. I, I love. And I think it's such a, a nice little touch looking back. Yeah. Um but I, yeah, it's not actually John Chicago. No, no. When David Arquette's <laughs> playing baseball and it's like, ah yes, the scenic Chicago mountains in the background. <laughs> oh my god, I love really, that. <laughs> it's it's wonderful. But like the thing that I think about is like, okay, I think so many of these movies set it in Chicago because it's familiar because of all the teen movies, but also it's like, okay, well this is the Midwest. Mm-hmm. But at least it's like kind of like got a coastal vibe to it. So it's like the Midwest people and the coastal people can all recognize like this environment. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. It's like a perfect Venn diagram where every it's just a big circle. Yeah, nobody <laughs> feels quite alienated by it because there's enough city for the people who grew up in cities to get the vibe, but it's not so city that people who live in, you know, the the flyover states like can't relate to mm-hmm. it. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's a really good point. Thank you yeah, for bringing that Yeah, I never up. really thought about that. It's like the vanilla ice cream of locations where we can all be like, yeah, I would eat it if there was no other no other flavors, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I love me a good vanilla bean. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's talk about when Josie kind of gets to high school because I don't know about either of you. Um, like you couldn't pay me to go back to like my junior high or high school years. Um, I know I've said it on the show before, but I feel like high schools are just time capsules of people's trauma um, <laughs> because they <True>. <laughs> they just hold everything and they don't change. Um, but 
when she goes back to high school, how do you like how does it make either of you feel? I guess Harmony, I'll start with you. I mean, that's the question of like, hey, if you could go back to high school with all the knowledge you have now, would you? And the answer is like, no. But the the ironic thing is I have gone back to my high school more than once. Because <laughs> like I, I got called back for like the local like school news, which was broadcast in all the home homerooms. And someone was doing their project on transgender students at the school. And they wanted somebody who's like, hey, you escaped. <laughs> <laughs> you made it out alive. Basically, you made it so out of like, here. Yeah. So well, g- give us some hope. And then after that, they were like, cool. Well, Maybe you could come talk to what is essentially our GSA, but it wasn't called that. And also, I had this weird thing where I I hung out and I talked to these kids or whatever. And then they're all sitting in front of the building after school and I'm waiting for them to get picked up. Because in my brain, I'm like, oh, I live in a city. You wait until like someone's Uber comes in order for to leave. So it's the suburbs. They're fine. So I'm sitting here just hanging out with like 14 year olds. And it didn't occur to me that's weird. And then I went back for a uh, a really awful should trans people be allowed to use the bathroom PTA meeting oh, God. because of the school news thing that I was a part of oh, because God. I had to basically be like, hey, um, I know more than all of you. <laughs> <laughs> and also I am chugging a lot of Dayquil because I'm sick and it's a hun- I have like a hundred degree fever and it's a hundred and five out. Oh, and my- no. I have no air conditioning in my car. So yeah, I've gone back to my school. It's been weird. I was going to say, so it sounds like it was not a super great time. No, I mean, I didn't go to school, but it was weird. And I can't say that I enjoyed my time, even though it was cool to talk to these kids as they ask me weird questions like, what's it like being in love? And I'm like, oh, shit. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I didn't know yet. So, like, that's a lot to dump on someone. But they just needed hope. What's it like being in love? That's so cute that they asked you that. It was really cute. But my straight up answer was like, I don't know. I... I've dated people that I thought I was in love with at the time, and then you move, then you move on, and you go, "That wasn't love." And then the next thing feels like love. So, like, I don't really have a good answer for you, and I don't know if that satisfied them. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like going back to high school is weird, and I wouldn't want to do it, and it gives me weird heebie-jeebie feelings because I'm like, "Oh, that's right. I remember this locker and this room and all of the weird things attached to all of these specific things," and I had a mostly okay time in high school certainly better than junior high so i that, that's my long-winded answer to this question Lurley, <laughs> <laughs> how about you yeah i mean i think high school definitely was better than junior high now that you mention it but yeah i don't know even if i could go back with all the knowledge i have um that would be great um i would probably make better decisions but I, I don't know. I like watching her in the movie go back. Like she has not a single ally either. Like at least mm-hmm. even if, and I had a good, I had a good experience in high school. Um, but even if I had my friends, so the idea of like just going, it's, it's almost like being the new kid in school. If anyone's ever oh, yeah. at any age, if you've ever been the new kid, like for me, this idea, like I'm almost 37. So nobody's sending me undercover to pretend that I am a teenager, but like <laughs> even the possibility that you could, I'm like to just go in there alone unarmed like with all of these teenagers they're so terrifying um and to really like yeah to just have to go in there and try to talk to people and make them like you that's like something that you you inevitably have to grow out of in life right like this idea that you have to get people to like you eventually you just become an adult and you're like i am who i am like you like me or you don't um so i think for me that feeling like yeah that is the one that kind of that is the feeling that kind of like makes me a little shaky. Like, oh my God, I don't know if I could go into that kind of environment and, and just convince people to be nice to me, right? So it is, 
it, yeah, I don't know. Like, good for her going back in, but <laughs> <laughs> she was she was so blissfully unaware of what she so, was walking into. Uh, exact, precisely. Yeah, she just like was so cute, bobbing on the, in there with I don't know her white feather boa or whatever it was, and <laughs> no idea what's what's coming. Don't you want to show them that the cool kids don't freak you out anymore? That you can go in there and you can be friends with them and you can get your story? Yes, desperately. Plus, if you quit now, then you're no better than me. Better than I. That's a spirit. Mm. So let's hear it. Come on. I'm not Josie Grossy anymore. I'm not Josie Grossy anymore. That's it. Now, scream it. I'm not Josie Grossy anymore! I think, like, that that honeymoon phase of like, I get to be a reporter completely clouds all of the realities of how brutal high school was for her Mm -hmm. to the point where it took, you know, her brother being like, don't you remember what they called you in high school? And I also love the reveal that he's like, I know I made it up. I didn't think it was going to catch on. (laughs) It's like, oh, that's such a shitty little brother thing to do. And it's really funny. Uh Um, But I like that you brought up this whole like needing people to like you thing because I... Well, I didn't go back to my own high school um, for a period of time. I was an educator and I did have to go to school. And there is sort of a level of wanting your students to like you. Like any teacher that says, like, I don't care if my kids like me, but they're going to respect me is a liar. Like, no, you want your kids to like you. You want to be the cool teacher. You want to be the, the teacher that they feel safe with. And part of that, like, relationship building is that they think you're cool. And it took me about a year for my kids to finally be like, oh, no, no, Miss Colangelo is awesome. We love her. But I was so self-conscious that entire first year of teaching because I was like, I don't want the kids to think I'm lame. I'm hip. I'm with it. I'm cool. Like I wanted their like I was so desperately seeking their validation. And I think it's just like that weird thing that's in the back of our minds. Like once you're in that school setting, it's so hard to like break that mentality. It's almost like Pavlovian. Like you enter a high school and suddenly like you're super insecure and you're really like conscious of like people looking at you and wanting people to either like accept you or or see you for who you are or whatever's going on it's so hard to like make that disconnect and we see her even have that because the first time that she sees guy her brain goes back to being in high school and seeing that like asshole billy Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. like it shaking her to her core because you know, as she says at the end of the movie, like a lot of things change, but a lot of things do not change. And there mm-hmm. is always like that one person that like you have just the eyes for or whatever. And like I've seen some people talk about that moment where it's like, isn't that's weird. She shouldn't be that like swoony over this like clearly high school boy. But in my head, I'm like the justification I can make is like, yeah, on its face, it's really problematic, but it's less about like this high school boy and more about like that, that guy. Th- yeah. That guy. It's it, that. It's th- what he represents. Yeah, yes. it's what he represents. It's like the symbology of it all, mm-hmm. and that is, I think, a weird feeling that a lot of people don't ever like interrogate or unpack. Mm-hmm. And we watch her have to do that in this movie, and I think that's really interesting. Well, yeah, and it's it's this thing that we talk about all the time, uh, particularly with any like something like Little Darlings or whatever, which is a, a movie all about sex. Um, when we talk about something like that, where we're like, okay, but like this character is like is, is is hot or they're cute or like they've got it and we're not sexualizing these people we're thinking them in the context of being a teenager again and how you would have thought about them at that appropriate age but it's not about sexual it's just recognizing the 
reality of like the teen world, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's like a thing we talk about, and I'm going to like pivot a little bit into talking about, you know, Aldis. So Lily Sobieski's character Mm -hmm. is whenever I talk about her character, because she's one of the, the few actors in this movie that is an actual teenager. A lot of them were in their 20s. I think she was... 17 or 18 yeah, when she, she was shot young. This. She was real young. Um, but my first, like, oh my God, I'm obsessed with her was in Jungle to Jungle. But she was like 12. <laughs> and when that movie came out, I was like six or seven. Yeah. So, because um, I was born in 90, I also just realized I don't know when that movie came out. Um, but like, it was an age appropriate crush to have. Yeah. But if those like, you know, memes come around or it's like, tell me who your first celebrity crush is, and I post a picture of like 12, 13 year old Lily Sobieski, that's creepy. Like that's a really <laughs> weird thing to do. So usually like my de facto was like either the glass house or something when she was mm-hmm. like legal. But it was really a never been kissed where I was watching this movie as like a 10, 11 years old and was just floored. I thought she was the most beautiful person I've ever seen in my life. I know I've talked about it on the show before that like her like facial structure is what I like. I like really tall women with striking eyes and big noses and I married one. So I <laughs> guess it makes sense. Um, but I was so drawn to this character because I think all these is such a great best friend character. And mm-hmm. she's a best friend character that we don't see in a lot of teen movies because she's not like you know, your loud, sassy, supportive best friend. She's, like, subdued and quiet and supportive. And that's so beautiful. So, like, Loralee, how do you feel about all these? I mean, I was was totally obsessed with her when I um – was seeing this movie too and and back in the day, yeah, because she was, like, probably around my age. So I just thought she was – like, I was this insecure, you know, had bad acne teenager, and she was so strikingly beautiful. And so, yeah, there was this part of me that's, like – and this happens in all the teen movies where even, you know, the quote unquote losers or the ugly people, they're still beautiful because it's still mm-hmm. a movie. So you're like, okay, any guy could see that she's gorgeous. <laughs> but, you know, they really, they really, you know, dress her up in this like really nerdy. She's a denominator. Um, but yeah, I, I do love her in this because she's just so off the bat, just like kind and helpful to the new girl and just invites her to be a part of her like dorky little crowd and and they just have so much fun together. And I just, I love that Josie just like me, like it's like magnetic, right? Like that's, those are her people. And mm-hmm. and it's just so, I love, and then she, you know, she does get sidetracked because she is, she has this job to do. And there's also this part of her that kind of wants to overcome all the humiliation of, of everything that happened to her when she was a teenager. So it is really heartbreaking. I think I kind of forgot about, you know, how she kind of flung Elise aside, um, halfway through the movie, which really broke my heart. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think she is. She's such a good, like, best friend character because you're right. You don't you don't get that kind of quiet um, character in, in those films at that time. You get the either the one person of color in the movie back then or... Yeah, you get your Dion. You're sassy. <laughs> yeah, so, so she's great. I almost feel like that's who Josie... That's the obtainable version of who Josie would have wanted to have been in high school. Yes, I think so too, especially when they're having that like little coffee date um, after Aldis helps her find her car and she's asking her like, you know, oh, well, what are your dreams? Mm-hmm. And she has this like beautiful rant of like, I want to be a painter. I want to be a writer. I want to do all these things. I want to be a potter. I want to go to Northwestern. And like you look at her and you're like, 
first off, oh my gosh, to be young and have like all these ideals <laughs> where the world is an endless possibility and you're not like jaded by, you know, the soul crushing reality. Uh-huh. <laughs> like that's so beautiful and inspiring. But you can also see that like Aldis is somebody who is so secure in who she is. Mm-hmm. She knows that she's not super popular. She knows that people see her as a brain and she doesn't care. Whereas I think high school Josie, who we get to see in flashbacks, I don't think she ever fully understood like where her place was in like the social hierarchy Mm -hmm, of the world. And she was constantly like striving to like be popular, be better, because there's even that moment where um, the actress who, you know, originated Tracy Turnblood and Hairspray, like uh, uh, Marissa, I always forget how to pronounce her last name, but she shows up and she's like, what is the one thing that you've always wanted but never ever thought would happen? And her response was, I'm the most popular girl in school and Billy Prince is asking me to the prom. So like these are the things that she was striving for in high school. Mm-hmm. Aldis doesn't care about any of that. Like mm-hmm. there's definitely still some like sadness with her. Like when they go to oh, um, yeah. the like the they they drive by where they're all hanging out and, you know, setting trash on fire or whatever. Yeah. And <laughs> as much as she knows that like this is stupid and I don't want to like drink a bunch of wine coolers with these people, there is that like sadness of like I don't like that I'm an outsider, but I accept that I am and I think that that is such like a beautiful nuanced presentation of this character Mm -hmm. absolutely and you don't see a lot of that in high in you know high school in real life or in high school characters this self-awareness oh yeah and and like this confidence in like owning that which is so great I, I think that kind of being able to like take a step outside of yourself and actually like analyze who you are and how the world sees you is an extremely mature thing and I think that's almost unrealistic in a way where that's why we don't see it right because I don't know if people can think about them in high school and go oh yeah no I understood because it just (laughs) doesn't feel obtainable but it's also extremely grounded in this movie where it's like no but absolutely she got it she Mm -hmm. knows yeah she absolutely knows who she is And, you know, that's why she does things like go to the prom as DNA with the rest of her denominators. (laughs) Like, I love that so much. But then you also know, you know, when when Guy asks her to dance, she jumps at the opportunity because ultimately, like, everybody does want to be seen and want to be appreciated. Like, these are just very human desires, Uh no matter who you are. And I love that they kind of give her that space to grow like I would love an entire movie just about her I think she's great (laughs) (laughs) so uh changing out of like girl world a little bit Harmony I know you're gonna be very excited let's talk about David Arquette oh god (laughs) every movie is better with David Arquette in it like every everything in life is is a little bit better with this man involved I love him so much I think we were having a conversation that David Arquette, Allison Janney, and Rachel Lee Cook are the three people that have appeared on this podcast more than anyone. At this point, I think they're three apiece. Yeah, and we were shocked. We were like, David Arquette's been in three. Oh, my God. Look at him go. I'm just so happy to see him here every single time. Um, David Arquette is... Uh, he he's he's the eternal slacker, right? He's yes. the underachiever. He had no aspirations. He wanted to play baseball and didn't really want to do anything else. And never really put it all together. He never went, oh, well, I can still be around baseball. But he had dreams of being like, oh, I wanted to be the star player. And that didn't work out. Mm-hmm. But was never able to kind of pivot out of that. Mm-hmm. And I think he was just like, I'm just going to languish in obscurity at my dead end tourist job and hate my life. And that's it. And 
I'm not going to say that that's relatable, but I didn't exactly have dreams. And I feel, I feel for this man. I, I feel, <laughs> I feel for Rob. I, I love that he used to be the most popular guy in school just because he's confident. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's, this man can sell you a pet, a ketchup popsicle and white to a woman in white gloves. <laughs> like such confidence. Like that, that's his whole thing. Like it only takes one person to convince everyone in school that Josie is popular. Yeah. And he can because he's just that that suave. And I mean, he does it in a weird way. He was like, yeah, I had sex with her. It was great. And like, yeah. so, weird. <laughs> so weird. So <laughs> weird. It's, it's such a the, weird thing to say. These characters are playing characters who are not related. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just, I think David Arquette is just so enjoyable in everything. And I, Maybe it's just because this is a character that feels more akin to people that I knew growing up because mm-hmm. I'm from like the boy side of the spectrum mm-hmm. uh, of, of the teenagedom. And I, I think that this is where like this is a more direct line. Like I'm not having to connect between three dots to get to Josie versus going directly to Rob. I'm like, OK, this is this is an easy point. I can get this. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, early, how do you feel about Rob? <laughs> um, well, first, I have to tell you, I when I was watching the movie, I was like, okay, I know that they cast like 20-something actors in this, but isn't he like 30 in 1999? But he was actually quite young. I feel like he was 25, so. I think he's um, younger than Drew Barrymore in this movie. Yeah, yeah, I think so, too. So I was like, okay, I will go back to believing this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he does, it does make me so mad because I do feel like, being a, a female high school student is so, so, just being a teenage girl is so hard. And obviously, like, it's, it, you know, the actual reality for each individual person is different. But I just think, like, if I'm, if I'm just saying generally, like, teenage boys literally could show up and what did he do? Like, eat a vat of coleslaw and suddenly mm-hmm. he's the most popular kid in school. Like, that mm-hmm. totally tracks for me. I'm like, boys just got to behave like idiots and that was awesome. And girls had to, like, jump through flaming hoops to get anyone to be nice to them. So that part mm-hmm. of the movie, yeah. like, while it's absolutely ridiculous, it's still just there's, like, a scale of believability there. But mm-hmm. he does it in a way that he is kind of – he is nice to everyone and he's got his little, like, 16-year-old gymnast girlfriend that you're like, like, ooh, this is not okay. And they kind of reference it at some point. Josie's uh-huh. like, this is illegal. And you feel like he's being a, a good guy about it. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know. I feel like he would just live in this high school world forever and, and as long as anyone believed him. But again, he's uh-huh. David Arquette and he can get away with anything because he's just like adorable <laughs> and happy and he's a good time, you know? So it's he, like he perfectly cast. Brings the party. Yeah. yeah. He's giving such a great performance in this because this to me feels like the wheelhouse that David Arquette should have been thriving in. But then uh, we talked about this in our Scream episode. So many people misremember him as Dewey in Scream as being Officer Doofy and Scary Movie. So then he became kind of a joke mm-hmm. and it completely derailed his career, which is really infuriating on mm-hmm. like a lot of levels because he's so good at this role. Like because he is effortlessly cool in this movie. And I, I do have to agree with you that while it's obviously hard to be a teenager for everybody there is so much more wiggle room for what boys are allowed to get away with and still be considered cool oh yeah like if a girl orders like a burger and gets ketchup on her face then she's ketchup face for the rest of the year like it's so infuriating how like how different the standards are yeah and but 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 here's a little extra context that i think is fun um so 
by the time this episode comes out, Jackass Forever will be out, and I yes. will have probably cried in a theater watching these old men destroy <laughs> themselves, um, mostly out of fear, but also just joy of seeing these friends back together. But this is the same year that Jackass comes out. Oh, that's a really good point. This is this uh-huh. is also like a post like party college kind of vibe where it's like, oh yeah, you you can do a keg stand or you can crush a beer can on your head. You're the coolest guy at the party. That's all it takes. Mm-hmm. You just need to be a guy who's willing to go for it because that's like shithead boy world. Yeah, that's a really good point because yeah, we're just on the cusp of getting into like edgelord humor world too. Like mm-hmm. we're right there. We're in those stepping stones. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, all of that tracks completely. And as far as like, you know, Rob's whole thing of go- like why he goes back to school is on its surface, it does feel like he's trying to help his sister out because he's like, I know how you were in high school. You are not going to be able to get away with this. Let me step in and let me help you. But, you know, there is that ulterior motive. Like, he wants to play baseball again. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, I think, you know, there's this really lovely moment after, like, the whole reveal happens and she blows her cover and his cover. And his disappointment is, like, it's not even in – not getting to play baseball he's like I also got to teach those guys things Mm -hmm. so in a weird way like there was benefit to him going back as well because now he can you know interrogate all of his feelings about baseball and realizing like oh I can be a coach and like that is just as fulfilling for me Mm -hmm. the 16 year old girlfriend thing gets a little iffy they do address it multiple times Mm -hmm. and the the one thing I will give him though is that when she's drunk at prom yes and is like (laughs) let's have sex he's like Let's not. Yeah. You're uh-huh. going to hurt yourself. I'm going to go get punch and leave this situation, uh, which like, thank God. <laughs> this, this is like this whole movie is doing that thing at like a campfire or like you're having a bonfire with friends where it's like, what if I can jump over the fire? And it's like, you're real close to catching on fire, but you just avoid it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the fire we're playing with consistently throughout this movie. Yeah, yeah. that's that is very true. Um just as kind of like a general thing, I do want to talk about like our little popular gr- crew that we've got going on, uh, Gibby, Kirsten, Kristen, uh, mm-hmm. because we have Jessica Alba, we have Jordan Ladd, who I think is super underrated, and I think the fact that she doesn't look like herself in this movie uh, is part of why she didn't get to blow up the way that Jessica Alba and Marley Shelton did. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just my opinion. But like, I have such a love-hate relationship with these popular girls, and I'm curious how both of you feel about them. So, Harmony, I'll start with you. Uh, how do you feel about the popular girls? They're Barbies. <laughs> they literally come to this party as Barbies. <laughs> They're like the original plastics. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Like, you could say, oh, well, the Heathers, but I'm like, oh, no. In terms of, like, a direct, like, plastic Barbie doll, like, it's there already. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're mean girls. I, I think mean girls are, are fun. I think they're doing a good job of it. I do not love mean girls as much as other people do. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, I appreciate you, but I'm not just sitting there going, oh, we love a mean girl. <laughs> like I have, <laughs> know so many of the listeners are. Um, yeah, I mean, they do exactly what they're supposed to, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're a good version of this type of girl in school. Agreed. Uh, Loralee, how do you feel about that? Yeah, them? I mean, I've, I'm with Harmony on this. I <laughs> They're so mean. And I just, I love these 90 films and like the 90s films. It always seems like the popular girls are doing some kind of weird like choreographed dance for the boys mm-hmm. at some like bar or wherever it is they all hang out. And I'm like, wait, was anybody really doing that? Um, but yeah, they, I get, I get really caught up in the crazy outfits they wear to school, which was <laughs> not, not happening in my school. And again, I'm like, it's a movie. Okay. This is not what the cool girls looked like, but yeah, they're mean girls and then, and then they're, they're playing the part really well. 
and they look cool doing it, but like so weirdly 90s. But yeah, there's no reason for her to suddenly become friends with them. They've been so cruel to her. And I, I never love that, you know, and yeah. for them to just be mm-hmm. congratulations, you crossed over. Like, you were actually really shitty to her. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> why, why would she want to cross over? Let me tell you something. I don't care about being your stupid prom queen. I'm 25 years old. I'm an undercover reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times, and I have been beating my brains out trying to impress you people. Let me tell you something, Gibby, Kirsten, Kristen. You will spend your lives trying to figure out how to keep others down because it makes you feel more important. Why her? Let me tell you something about this girl. She is unbelievable. I was new here and she befriended me, no questions asked. But you, you were only my friend after my brother, Rob, posed as a student and told you to like me. That's uh, that's that's where my, my mixed feelings about them come in. Like, I love Marley Shelton in anything. She can do no wrong, for, in my opinion. Like, because I think about her in this and then... Um, two years from now she'll be in sugar and spice mm-hmm. which is an mm-hmm. all-time favorite mm-hmm. and obviously like she's she's sheriff uh judy hicks and scream because she's great um <laughs> love marley shelton and she plays for me like the perfect like the the karen and mean girls where she's the popular girl but she's also kind of dumb and i i have such a soft spot for i love bimbo characters i think they're great <laughs> i i wish we had more of them but everyone's like we can't have them and i'm like no give me more they're great give them back. anti-feminist and i'm like how dare you say <laughs> that about the house bunny <laughs> right how dare you um i they are absolutely doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing and i think what makes them actually like kind of interesting is they do represent kind of the fickleness of the high school hierarchy Mm -hmm. and that they were so mean to her like they are ruthlessly and unnecessarily cruel to her but once they have been given that like hey no she's cool how yeah how quickly they are able to flip on a dime and go oh they're cool now okay yes we have to change and i think that is such a great example of showing like that weird insecurity that even the popular girls in school have yeah Mm -hmm. and we don't see that very often it's like a lot of times the popular girls they're the ones who establish the rules like the plastics are the ones who determine that Katie is popular. Mm-hmm. The Heathers are the ones that determine that Veronica is popular. The popular girls in this movie figure out that Josie's popular because they're told she's popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is really, really important, especially in the 90s where, like, I read every issue of Seventeen magazine cover to cover. I read every J14, Teen People, all of it. And all of those magazines were basically like, you suck and here's how to be better at not sucking. <laughs> like, so Here's it's, how you can assimilate. Right. Yeah. yeah. Here's how you can assimilate. Um, and so seeing that like in real time I think is really interesting. And this movie does that where a lot of them don't. Um, as far as the popular boys are concerned – um, I hate all of them. I think they're all awful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. James Franco is getting his movie debut in here, and he can fuck off into I the sun for all I care. He does some get point, punched in the which face, which feels good. <laughs> yeah. Which I feel like, yeah, you probably deserve that. Who one. was the friend? He was in like every movie back then with the dark hair. I think he was in an Aerosmith video. Um, oh yeah, what is that guy's name? <laughs> he was just. Oh, in I have no every, idea. There was nothing that he wasn't in back then. Yeah, he's in a ton of. And them, he's always uh, just like he's never the main character. He's always like a sidekick or a friend or. 
Oh yeah, he definitely fills that role. The, the one role that I was I'm always really excited to see is uh the actor who plays the football character who in English class they're like, "What do you do when you play football?" and he's like, "We kick ass." And he's the one who also eats the coleslaw mm-hmm. against David Arquette yeah. and loses. He's the bad boy in the fake MTV boy band together, which is a <laughs> a dumb thing what that I was I was so into together. Anyone I listening forgot out there about that, together? <laughs> Oh my, I twirl, like did baton to a together song in like the fifth grade talent show. Like I loved them. They were great. Um, And I know like seven people listening are going to feel really vindicated by me (laughs) saying that right now. It's true. Um, So so wait, what's the, um, what's the pretty guy? Is it guy? Guy. Guy. Everything about Guy, I kept saying this every time he popped up on screen, but I'm like, why does Guy look like a magician? I, Harmony... (laughs) I, I, I rewatched the movie and I remembered being like 14, 15 and watching it and always finding him like, he's the popular, he's the most popular guy in school. He's, oh my, I don't, he just, it was never working for me. And they dress him, I feel like <laughs> with the open like button downs that are open like mm-hmm. to his belly button. Maybe that was only in one scene, but I can't get it out of my head. Yeah, uh-huh. he was, he just does not work for me as the most popular guy in school. There's like, so many peasant tops. Like, why did... And the so thing is, though, I, like, I weirdly remembered this, like, I had, like, a flashback in thinking about his fashion. And the re- <laughs> I was in, like, a like a choir performance, and we were singing Led Zeppelin songs, and I had... Why? That's <laughs> a cool choir. <laughs> yeah, our choir was of fun. All of them. Yeah, we were singing Led Zeppelin songs. Led Zeppelin and medley. I, <laughs> It was a it was a Led Zeppelin medley, and uh, I had like lead vocals on something. So I like asked my dad like, where can I find a shirt that looks like like Robert Plant or somebody? And he was like, oh, we, we just got to get you a peasant top. They're selling them right now at Target. I saw them the other day, and I'm like, what? First off, why do you know this, Dad? And second <laughs> off, like, why was there like there was a time period between like 1999 and like 2001 where peasant tops were suddenly a thing? It was like a like a, a an offshoot, I think, of like boho chic. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I like, was wearing. A lot of them from the Delia's catalog. Oh, yeah. Oh, Delia's. Um, So, like, it was, like, such a weird fashion thing that I think in hindsight, we look at it and you're like, wait a minute, that's, like, an oddly, that's a very weird choice. But I think there was, like, a pocket when this movie came out when that was the rage. Mm. But, yeah, Guy has never really done much for me. Same. Um, He kind of, he's, I don't want to, like, body shame this actor or whatever, but, like, he's very small. Yeah. And that uh he's pretty i guess but he looks like he's just gonna mind freak me yeah (laughs) like i don't know why why are you air apostle why are you an air apostle magician Uh, he totally looks like a magician you're so right i'm so not over it well i'm just thinking about it now going like i'm just expecting like dramatic hand motions (laughs) that episode of it crowd where she ends up dating a guy who looks like a magician and he gets into magic because it's too distracting for him to not be a magician (laughs) Well, because you even brought it up when, like, the prom scene happened, and I had to be like, well, Harmony, like, they're dressing like Shakespeare, and you're like, I don't care. He's been dressing like a magician in this whole movie. Yeah. Oh, it just makes it worse. <laughs> Which, in, like, a weird way, I almost like the choice because it is such, like, an anti-teen movie thing where, like, he's not, like, a big jock. He's the guy who has a guitar at the party, um, and that is definitely a character type that I don't think we see enough of. He's like um, a softer Freddie Prince Jr. Where yeah. it's like, what if we took the pretty athletic boy and made him prettier and less athletic (laughs) yeah because he doesn't play sports they watch sports and he plays guitar yeah on the bleachers he writes a song for josie yeah Yeah. i mean yeah i guess good for never been kissed a little ahead of their time with him but no he wasn't doing it for me Mm -mm, definitely (laughs) not you know he i mean maybe he wasn't supposed to be because we had an english teacher that 
we were crushing on. Yeah, and that's a... Uh... I bet Guy's going to walk up into a college party with an acoustic guitar and play Your Body's a Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He's absolutely doing that. Like, you don't even have to place that bet. That's a guarantee. Um, but you're absolutely right. Uh, we can't have the most popular boy in school be too charming and attractive because we have to save room for Mr. Sam Coulson. You know he's a cool guy because t- he's a teacher who lets you call him by his first name. So cool. Yeah. Like, the coolest of the cool. Like, Please, any, that's my dad. Any cooler, and he's going to have to, like, sit on a chair backwards with a, you know, backwards cap <laughs> like a youth pastor. Um, so... Loralee, how do you feel about Mr. Coulson? I love him. I was a big Alias fan. I just, Michael, I can never pronounce his last name, Vartan, Vartan, whatever. Um, Huge fan. Love him. So, you know, I had to love him in this too. Um, But yeah, I think even as a teenager, he was kind of my big, big crush in this movie. And he's so, I just love him for loving the dorky girl. And I know looking back that it's all so wrong. But I was really sold on it as a teen. <laughs> Didn't really see the problem there. So yeah, I just I'm a I'm a big fan of him. I feel like they it's something else I appreciate about this movie is, you know, you were talking about the the scene with him asking the jock, like, you know, what do you do on the field? And I feel like the students, even the popular ones, are like interested in his class and he kind of mm-hmm. gets through to everyone. It's not just like Josie's the only one who pays attention. Um but yeah, I mean, not to go on and on about him because clearly I uh, had a big crush on him. So adorable. <laughs> and he's always working hockey into literally everything. He's just so Canadian. <laughs> Harmony, how about you? Uh, I I think it's really fun how he is like the cool teacher, but in like kind of an uncool way, but in a way that the kids respond to. Because I remember being in school and you would have like, Ooh, new teacher this year, and it would be like their first or second year teaching, mm-hmm. and they'd be like, "I remember what it's like to be in high school. I remember how to have fun." Mm-hmm. And then they're like, "Instead of a pop quiz, we're playing Jeopardy because that's the thing they always do." <laughs> and it was like, "You're not as cool as you think you are." And I, I think Mr. Coulson actually is kind of cool, mm-hmm. but in a way where he's really confident about like, "Hey, I know you don't care about hockey, even though it's Chicago, and you probably care about hockey at least a little bit. We're close <laughs> right. enough to Canada." But I'm going to only talk about hockey. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And like that's that I respect that as a person who's just like, hey, you know who you're all going to hear about? Me talk about Jim Steinman. Deal with it. (laughs) I'm reading a book about the life of Tiny Tim. Woo. Like y'all are going to listen to me. So I I respect that kind of thing of like, hey, how am I going to bring you into my world? And how am I going to make this make sense to you? And I think that that works really well because there is obviously that common ground between what he's into and what Josie's into. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I, 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 had, I had lots of teachers that I wanted to be friends with. Never that I was really into, but like we had a Spanish teacher who was, who was younger. And I thought she was just really fun, especially because I'd had the mean Spanish teacher the year before. So she was especially <laughs> nice. And so I was like, oh, she just, she's cool. Like, I like her. And everyone's like, you just think she's cool because like <laughs> the Nunga Nungas. And I was like, no. Like, I just think, <laughs> I think that she's just a nice lady. <laughs> We, uh, wa- we watched Shaun of, De- Shaun of the Dead in Spanish before Christmas break. We have fun. <laughs> I also was like so infatuated with Sam Coulson as a kid. And it's one of those like 
did you have an unhealthy like obsession with your English teacher or were you straight? Like that's like a very real thing. Like the amount of queer kids that are like, oh no, like my my savior in high school was like my English teacher or my theater teacher or my choir teacher. Mm-hmm. Like one of like the arts or the more like poetic of, of professions that you could have. Like that's kind of the queer kid go-to ally in school. What's it say if I was really uh, good friends with my psychology teacher? <laughs> I mean, that's that's another one. Like, it's not like it's never the math or the science yeah. teacher. Like, no. it's always yeah. well, probably because the math teachers are usually like the football, co- like the math and social studies teachers are like the football coaches who are forced <laughs> to teach a class. Yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> so it's like, that's oh, really I wonder point. why the kid queer kids don't relate to that. But I'm sitting there going, Mr. Haber, you're my dude. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I loved Mr. Coulson. I loved the teacher who made Shakespeare accessible. I thought that was so cool. I also, I mean, I'm a Chicago kid. I loved hockey growing up, but I also love that because he talks about hockey and he's talking talks about Gordy Howe and obviously Josie knows who that is and she shows it on her face that she knows who that is. I knew who that is so I was like, ooh, I feel cool. I know who this is too. Exciting. I'm also a 24-year-old at nine. <laughs> and then when the, when the kids are like, I have no idea what the hell he's talking about then he's like, it's like Tiger Woods of hockey and then like it clicks and I'm like, good. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not badgering them for not knowing something. He's continuing to make it accessible and I think that's, you know, the sign of a very good teacher. But ultimately like the, the issue with this relationship is that like he he knows immediately that like the feelings he has are not right and like he cannot pursue them that something is very wrong here and he checks himself on it constantly um which i think is a really really good sign the issue is that like no one around them is like saying something like the people in the office are watching all of Josie's tapes like it's days of our lives like Mm -hmm. they're all so invested in this romance and it's like none of you stopped for a second until it was you know John C. Riley and Gary Marshall who decide like we're gonna write a story about it because this is fucked up yeah (laughs) and but even when that happens like they're even at prom and they're all like watching with like bated breath about everything and this is pre-reality TV right right um um, so you know, even the kids kind of, you know, make fun of it. But I, I love that he's he's a teacher who is not afraid to have, like, kind of difficult conversations with students. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, some like, so many of my teachers I did have that relationship with. Obviously, like, I was not romantically invested in them. Mm-hmm. But I did have teachers that were like, hey, just so you know, like, some people never grow out of who they are in high school. And they act like immature idiots forever. And I think it's so important that people – are willing to have that conversation with kids sometimes because there's like these weird de facto things that you're supposed to tell kids. Like, you know, the the easiest one is teachers that are like, you can't do that in college. They're not going to tolerate that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, "Mm, in college, like my professors showed up hungover. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Um, But to have somebody that just kind of is very honest about it, I think is is really nice. And I, I like that he does keep himself in check because even at the end of the at the movie when like the reveal happens that she is an adult and he storms out and he's upset and he has the line of like oh I can't look at you the same way a lot of people have interpreted that line as like 
oh, what, because now that she's 17, you can't handle, like, looking at her? And it's like, I don't think that's what's happening. I think it's somebody who has just gone through what is a very traumatic experience of, like, having to navigate these feelings that he had where he was probably feeling really bad about himself. Mm -hmm. Like, he was going to move to Boston and, like, start a new life and get as far away from this situation as possible because he recognized, like, this is not good and I can't do this. I can't be a teacher. I can't be anything. I got to get out of here. And he's doing the the responsible thing by doing this. And then to find out that she's an adult, like that's absolutely going to mess with your head where it's like, okay, so all of these feelings I was having, like, is it that intrinsic thing that he knew that like, oh no, you secretly knew like she's not 17. Like that's, there's no way she's a teenager. Like that's such a mind fuck for him. Yeah. And I, I feel some empathy for him. Like this movie's obviously, you know, dealing with some problematic elements, but I do think it's important to recognize that like, this movie does show that like this was not an easy thing. This was a this was a problem for him. Yeah, and especially for yeah. 1999, the fact that they they did you know so delicately handle some of their the tougher issues in here. Like they probably they could have gotten away with even more than they did, if we're being honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The fact that there was no like this is an inappropriate thing before the reveal is shocking to me. Like the fact that they did not kiss on the Ferris wheel or whatever ride thing they were on mm-hmm. is shocking to me. Cause I feel like in 1999, that's absolutely something that would have happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, what's scary is that when you get older, it's just, it just gets more confusing. I mean, you know, Laura, my girlfriend you met at the club, we've been going out for five years and now she wants me to move to New York. And you know, I mean, I should, I should do it. You know, make the commitment and grow up. I know we have our differences. You know what? I shouldn't be talking about this stuff with you. I'm sorry. It's nice to have someone to talk to. Yeah, same here. Well, all I can tell you is that when you're my age, guys will be lined up around the block for you. You have to say that because you're my teacher. Actually, I shouldn't say that because I'm your teacher. Oh. Um, right. But, like, and actually a point that I want to bring up is, okay, so Josie obviously fantasizes about, about Guy because he symbolizes who she was into in school. And she's obviously an adult, but she's having this thought about, like, a child. And I think about how Mr. Coulson's now being like, well, maybe that maybe Josie is symbolizing the kind of girl he was into in high school. And now he's like, oh, shit. But it's not weird. It's weirder from his perspective than it is from Josie's. Yeah. Because she is a student in big quotes here Mm -hmm. and he's not. But they're doing essentially the same thing. Mm -hmm. But it's actually not as weird as it should it, it's not actually that weird because she is an adult it's not like right. oh you're mature for your age it's like no you're just your age you're an adult yeah yes so it's like this weird thing of like okay i kind of get where he's coming from while also navigating the feelings of being like am i a monster <laughs> yeah am i horrible what's going on it's like wait i'm not a monster you just lied to me that doesn't feel better right 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 i think that's and that's really what it comes down to is i think we see him, because we see him struggling this whole movie. Like, because yeah. he keeps clocking himself where he's like, this is 
not okay. And like you even have that moment at prom where she's dancing with Guy. And at first he's so excited. Like, I'm so proud of her. Like, you know, good for her for becoming prom queen. Mm -hmm. And then they're dancing and he has this like moment of reflection where he looks down. And I know that that can be interpreted as like, oh man, I wish she was dancing with me. But to me, it feels like that's him being like, why do I feel like this? I can't, there's something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And that's why he exits. And the fact that we are kind of being shown that this is not okay and like Mm -hmm. that he's not okay with this. I think this movie is actually doing a lot more of a nuanced job than people give it credit for. Yes. He's responsibly removing himself from a situation before it gets bad. Yeah. Yes. And that's, you know, it's, it's weird, but I think the movie, yes, is doing a very, very nuanced, very respectful portrayal of like a weird thing. Mm Mm-hmm. That, that, that'll never happen, theoretically. I don't think there's a lot of, like, 25-year-olds going to high school. But in this <laughs> hypothetical, it, yeah, exactly. It's it's definitely, uh, it, it's it's juggling, and I don't think it's dropping anything, right? Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think that it is, but I, I think this is a movie, I mean, we talk about it all the time, that people have really hard times really, really analyzing and kind of tearing apart teen movies because we're all just led to believe that it's fluff. Well, yeah, turn off your brain. This isn't meant to be thought Mm -hmm. about very much. Right. And I think that's why so many people find this movie to be, like, so atrocious. Oh, they never make that today. Right, where it's like, well, yes, but if you really, really look at what's happening and, like, really dissect it, it's kind of being good about it. Like... Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, I'm question for you, Laura Lee. Why do you think it is that like so many people are quick to just immediately dismiss this movie as like this is problematic and it's bad? God, that's a good question. I don't even I don't even know because I feel like I almost threw my, like when I started to think about how much I used to love that movie, I kind of threw myself into that camp very quickly to be like, oh God, how could I love that movie? It's so problematic. But then you're right. Like they do kind of handle these issues that come up and, you know, everyone's kind of being responsive, as responsible as they, they can be about it. So yeah, I think it's just, it's such, the movie visually has aged so poorly as most things from that era like you look at it and Mm -hmm. it just looks they all look ridiculous so it's just so easy to be like okay problematic uh relationship between these characters everything is aged badly and so it's kind of just easy to just toss it out as as problematic fluff when really like i i think you're getting to a really good point that like it's all kind of it, it is handled well Right. And, and yeah. the conversations that they, they let these characters have. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just so easy to throw all, you know, all the stuff that was made back then to be like, oh, I can't believe they were allowed to do this. And yeah, of course. Yeah. No. Would it get made today? No. And it makes me insane that she puts this little pin on her cardigan that somehow has perfect audio as well, you know, <laughs> but, but our tech was not there in 1999. I mean, not even a little bit. Um but yeah, I don't know. I don't even know if that answers the question. It's a it's a good question. I'm going to have to continue to mull it over. No, but I, I totally, yeah, I, I think you do answer it, though, is that it's just, 
I, I think it's just complicated to think about and kind of difficult to like sit with and actually like analyze it. And people go, I'm uncomfortable. I would rather not be wrong. And let's just take the easy answer with this one. Maybe yeah. at least that's kind of my feelings. Cause I, I had weird feelings when I watched this the first time and I was like, mm-hmm. ah, but I've had three years to sit on it. So <laughs> I've definitely had some time to, to digest it. I mean, and I felt the same way too. Like I loved it as a kid and then I watched it again sometime in like college and I was like, oh, yikes, that's not good. And then obviously watched it again with you, Harmony, a couple years ago. And Mm -hmm. I still kind of felt like, I mean, yeah, it's problematic, but I still like it. And then it wasn't until this most recent watch that I sat there and I really like kind of zoned in on his performance that I was like, wait a minute, like this, no, he never once like gives himself a pass. Like Mm -hmm. he's really torn up about this. And I think because this movie is so much about Josie and I think because our brains are so wired to like follow those like rom-com beats Mm -hmm. that we kind of miss what he's doing because Mm -hmm. so many rom-coms like it's about the girl getting the guy and like that's the that's the motivation. So that's the storyline that we're really paying attention to. She's never been kissed. Right. Someone needs to kiss her. Yes. Someone has to kiss her. But if we like really like look outside of those typical beats and see like what he's doing like there's an entire new story that's being told and mm-hmm. i i don't know it's it's very weird because there's so many people in this movie that are like having the absolute wrong reaction to this relationship mm-hmm. but i don't think he's that person like i think Josie's having a, a tough time um like she's not doing super well about the ethics of it because she obviously mm-hmm. really likes him and is really into him and she knows that she's an adult but i don't think that it ever crossed her mind of like hey, I wonder if this is like messing with him or like, Mm -hmm. I clearly feel these feelings. If it's mutual, then that might be hard for him. I should probably do something about this. Yeah. And um, let's think about this, though. Let's think about Josie as a teen because she's essentially putting herself in that role. And we talked about how like you go back to high school and it feels almost like, Ugh, I'm back in this mindset. I've spiritually have had braces put back on my face and I have acne again. And that's just what this environment has done to me. She's never been kissed before. It's this poor judgment, like, teen girldom that most people go through when they're, like, 14, you know? It's it's, it's pure impulse, and she's not really thinking about it very much because she has too many other things that she's focusing on, I think. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I don't know. I think that's what I love doing on this show so much is I love taking the time to, like, really – hammer out what's going on in movies that a lot of people, you know, either blindly love or dismiss immediately. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's interesting. So um, one of the other like really big things that I wanted us to kind of touch on is that ending monologue when Josie blows her cover mm-hmm. and like what that means to to hear. Um, so Lauralee, how did you feel like hearing that monologue again, I guess as an adult now. Um, <laughs> she's so right. I felt so bad that she had to really out her brother too, though, um, <laughs> as she blew her own cover. But yeah, I mean, this this whole idea that like none of this matters, it took her like, two, it took her two times being in high school to get to that, right? And so mm-hmm. th- these kids, they're not going to listen and they're not going to hear it, but it's really more of a speech like for her and for us, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, 
it was really torn because I was like, you probably could have like saved her from from the the Alpo attack without blowing your cover. Um, but you know, she had to make her point. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think so too. How about you, Harmony? Um, I mean, I don't remember the exact wordage of the speech. I definitely think it's a little unfair to put Mr. Colson on the spot like that for this big spectacle. <laughs> That's a little weird. But also, I think that doing it in such a public forum like that does clear the air in a way mm-hmm. where it's like, cool, this isn't some weird behind behind closed doors thing because we've already entered into weird territory. We need to just put this out in the open and be like, we're all adults here. The whole story's out in the air. He's not a creep. I know that that's what, like, my publisher wants me to do is write a story about that. But, like, I need this to just be completely out for everyone to understand. And, like, sure, we're entering into weird territory where he fell for me as a student. Let's just kind of accept that that's a part of our lives now. (laughs) But I think that, um, I think it kind of has to be that way. Okay. I, I don't really know... It, it, I have complicated feelings on it, obviously. Yeah, I mean, and you're allowed to. Yeah. So the the prom monologue, uh, this is me telling on myself a bit and showing how much I loved this movie. <laughs> so when I was a senior in high school, we had this program that was like senior seminar. And the oh, I- we're doing the prom monologue? I was thinking about the pu- piece she published. I figured that halfway <laughs> while you were Whoops. talking. It's <laughs> But I didn't want to stop you because you were on a thought. <laughs> it's fine. She has several monologues in this she movie. She does. That's a lot to say. She's a writer. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But we did this thing called Senior Seminar, which honestly, I wish every high school in the country would do it. But what happens is you think of the job that you think you're going to have as an adult mm-hmm. and you shadow somebody who does that professionally and you have to do this big project on like, this is how much this job makes. This is the qualifications you need to have it. Here's what a day-to-day life is like working this job. Here's, you know, how much, you know, work-life balance you're going to have. So like it's, cool. it's very smart. It's such a smart program. And for me, I did it as, um, I wanted to teach theater. Like, that's what I wanted to do. So I followed a high school theater teacher at, like, a different school in our district. And then my, like, end presentation to, like, show what I've learned is that I was going to teach, like, the people who were, like, judging this, like, you know, big presentation um, to determine whether or not I got to pass high school. Mm -hmm. Um, My presentation was that I was going to teach them how to break apart a monologue and then like give them the chance to perform said monologue. Mm -hmm. And I chose the prom speech um, because I was like, it's from a movie. So it's accessible to people who may not be super into theater, but it's a really fun one to break apart. So I studied this monologue like a monster when I was a teenager and revisiting it as an adult, I think this is the moment where Josie Geller is healing her inner child because Mm -hmm. we forget that healing your inner child is not just you as a 10-year-old, it's also you as a Mm 17-year-old. And this speech is so much for her as much as it's her trying to like tell people to like look outside themselves. Like she gets to make amends with Aldis and point out like what an amazing person she is. She also gets to point out to like the girls that are being mean that she knows why they're being mean Mm -hmm. and like gets it and she's not holding it against them, but she's like, I'm begging you to understand that like none of this matters Mm -hmm. in the long run. And I think that that's like, it's such a beautiful moment where like, that is what she's been needing to do the whole movie is to heal Josie Grossi. She mm-hmm. has to heal that pain and she's been avoiding it for so long. 
And once she does that, then, like, we get a whole new Josie after that. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, we do have a very problematic thing of her just barging into a high school boy's locker room. She's wearing a power suit. Like, Uh. she's got the power suit on, and she's like, you better hide. You you don't want seen boys. And I'm like, these are children. She girl bosses her way right in there, and it's a thing. But, like, we get get the new Josie. We get, you know, Josie walking in and, like, pulling, you know, the the headphones away from Sean Whalen because he's having like a whatever call mm-hmm. like it changes everything for her because she she finally did the work to mm-hmm. like heal that that inner child and i think that that's just so beautiful and a thing that i wish so many more people did like i saw this thing the other day and this is like tangentially related but uh it was people talking about rachel zegler from west side story and how they like don't like her because she's super theatery and like she's like that insufferable theater girl and i'm like all of y'all who were hurt by the rachel berry types like you need to heal that and grow up and like stop holding (laughs) that against like a child that's so rude um i think people would be a lot more happy and fulfilled if they healed like their their teenage angst amen that's so many people are just pretending doesn't exist. Well, th- pretending doesn't exist is absolutely the way of describing this. She forgets that she's Josie Grossy. She like blocks that yeah, out. That's and true. Is trying to forget who she was and be who she thinks she wanted to be yeah. while never acknowledging who she was in high school. Like that that's wholly what it yeah. is. Yeah. No, that's very true. And then you know, we get we get our end scene on on the baseball mound Which where I already talked about. You already like talked a fool. about your feelings. <laughs> um, I am gonna put you on the spot a little bit, Harmony, because it's funny. Shit. Okay. Uh, it has this moment has one of my favorite Gary Marshall moments in his entire career. Hot wieners. Which is when he's walking <laughs> through the bleachers and he's like, "I got hot wieners." Uh, Harmony, would you like to tell people what happened the one time we were outside the Gary Marshall Theater? Uh, yes, after a uh, professional wrestling show, uh, uh, <laughs> we decide like, what if we go to the big boy? They're open like 24 hours. So a bunch of people like wrestling fans, wrestlers, promoters, everyone just went to the big boy and we all hung out and got breakfast food and it was lovely. And we're standing outside and it's like, oh, look, the Gary Marshall Theater. And I go, who's that? To which people go, excuse me, how do you not know who Gary Marshall is? He's a big deal. And BJ just goes, Harmony. Hot wieners. And I go, oh, that guy. (laughs) Because as always, friends, the fun game to play is not what is this actor's most well-known role. The game is what does Harmony know this person from? (laughs) In my defense, his best known things are things that he has written and worked behind the scenes on. That is a good point. This is is at least a little more fair to me than most of them. But it is a moment where I couldn't even have been like the devil in Hocus Pocus because that wouldn't have registered for you either. It was going to be hot wieners. Hot wieners. Um, I just, that story makes me laugh every time I think about it. Um, I don't know about how either of you feel, but when that clock goes down and he's not there, oh, I wept. Like Drew Barrymore's face. Uh Oh my gosh. It just guts me inside. It is a lot. Again, I've already expressed my feelings because I, I have I think it's not fair to the teacher, but it's totally the best thing you could have done in this situation. But God damn it. You, people criticize the Beach Boys. How dare you? Brian Wilson is a lovely man. <laughs> the Beach Boys have some hokey ass like California surfing and cruising in car songs. And I accept that. But God damn it. If they do not have some of the best love songs. Oh, and yeah. it's perfect. It doesn't make sense. They're in Chicago. It's also the 90s. Not even like. 80s version Kokomo Beach Boys is here. 
This is like old school Beach Boys. I'm like, I don't know why they picked this song other than it's lovely. Yeah, I have no idea why they picked that song, but it works. Totally works. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's such a perfect song. And that, the, the thing I will say is that in Josie's article, she never says that it's her teacher. She uh, okay. says to the she oh, this, says this I man I that she hurt yeah yeah she's mm-hmm. like I hurt somebody in my like path to self discovery and I'm so sorry but I think I'm in love with you so like she doesn't say who it is well it'd be real weird if it wasn't a teacher because then it's like oh god is it a student <laughs> oh, oh yeah good point yeah that's a good point yeah maybe she should have been a little bit more explicit um but I think that she at least was good about doing that so then that way if he did bail then it suddenly isn't gonna follow him for the rest of his life that. Yeah. He was in love with a yeah. student. Yeah. Um, so that's good. But like, Laura Lee, you had a deep sigh when I mentioned it. How does this moment like resonate with you? <laughs> it's like, it's like part of you is like, okay, this is a, a rom-com. Like he's, he's got to show up. But mm-hmm. then for that instant that he doesn't, oh, it's, it's just like, you know, that the, the nerd is not getting her like, what not the not retribution i don't even know the word i'm looking for she's just like not getting that redemption yes redemption thank you i'm like she's not getting that and she so deserves it and you're like you know he feels the same way too so like did he just use the newspaper to like wrap up his crap for his move like does he not even know she's standing there it's like just all these things going through your head and yeah i mean it was it was an aggressive move to really be like I'm gonna stand out in front of like this huge game in front of hundreds of people and you're gonna come that's where you're gonna come kiss me like I don't know maybe knock, knock on his apartment door have a conversation <laughs> I I mean I guess it is fair that like hey I fucked up and you're mad at me but I'm putting the ball in your court like majorly in like, your court yeah I'm not like. It's a little bit like um, when they're in a public place and someone's like, will you marry me? And the person's like, "Uh, no, you put me on the spot. Sorry. No. Um, It's a little bit like that. But um, I don't know. I guess it just it it makes it more like I hurt you. And if you want to hurt me or you don't want anything to do with me, that's fair. But I at least want to give you options here. I, I maybe that seems fair. Also, she's a writer. She's just she's using the skills she's got. I guess. Yeah. I mean, she she's doing it in her very own terms. It's such like rom-com schlock and I live for all yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Like, is it like ethically, am I like, maybe you should have, you know, had a conversation before yeah, this? I agree. Yeah, you should have. There's but, a lot of poor judgment in this movie. Yeah, but I'm willing to like, <laughs> I, I can suspend my disbelief on that because I like the moment because I think that it's lovely. Um, and <laughs> you talking about people proposing in public has just reminded me that one of my new favorite things on TikTok is following people who work at Disney World talking about the proposals they've seen gone <gasps> wrong oh, um, because they are all hilarious. Oh, no. Uh, because they're all, like, very dramatic and, you know, they oh. get princesses involved and then princesses have to, like, pretend it's not the most awkward thing in the world. Oh. And that's really funny to me. Um, like, I don't want to, like, revel in anyone's <laughs> pain, but the thought of, like, Moana having to be like, uh, sorry, guy, oh. is really funny to me. Goofy's got to go back to being goofy. Goofy yeah, Goofy's just got to, like, <laughs> saunter away, and he can't say anything behind his mask. Um, yeah, that stuff's really funny to me. Um, so <laughs> I think we've sort of uh, kind of taken apart Never Been Kissed, probably more than anyone ever has <laughs> Definitely. Um, in, in their life. But that's, you know, that's what we're here for. So, Harmony, the time has come. Uh-huh. Never Been Kissed is asking you to the prom. Is it a yes, a no, or a maybe? And are you writing anything on the card back? 
dude, this puts me in a weird spot. (laughs) All right. I'm going to preface my answer by saying I have been trying to unravel these characters' motivations and their 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 questionable feelings at uh-huh, times, uh-huh. and I believe that relationships should only exist between consenting adults and not be crossing the eighteen or God forbid, hopefully twenty one year old barrier. Mm-hmm. But I must say yes. Okay. I think this movie is doing a fairly respectful job of handling difficult topics, and it knows what it's doing. Where it's like, okay, David Arquette, you're our surrogate character by pointing out that like this is weird, and we recognize as writers this is weird. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's that's where I'm that's where I'm gonna go with that. All right, I like it. I like that it's a yes. And also, I want to say that um, BJ, I'm gonna read a thing to you right now, and then I'm gonna tell you a story about it. Oh no! I've been I've been keeping this in my back pocket for a couple of years now. Oh no! Ahem. That thing, that moment when you kiss someone and everything around you becomes hazy, and the only thing in focus is you and this person, and you realize that that person is the only person you're supposed to kiss for the rest of your life. Anyway, had we actually had a wedding, I would have probably said that to you (gasps) at either the wedding or the reception, but that didn't happen, so I'm doing it on the air now. Oh my god! This is me standing on a baseball diamond, just doing it in front of the world. Oh, (laughs) my, I'm crying a little bit. It's fine. You're welcome. I cry a lot on this show. Yeah. That was so very sweet. You're welcome. Yeah, listen. It would have been more sweet in <laughs> other environment. <laughs> yeah, listeners, if you do not know, Harmony and I's wedding uh, got canceled because of COVID. So a lot of like very cute things we've planned for each other did not get to happen. That was so sweet, babe. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I can see you getting very misty. Over it's that. fine. It's fine. <laughs> Everything is fine. <laughs> Uh, Loralee, you have an amazing new podcast, and I would love to give you some time talking about it because I think it's you know pretty thematically appropriate for the conversation we had today. So if you want, uh, I would love for you to tell people about 17, what it's about, and where they can find it. Yes, I would love to. So yeah, it's it's fun talking about Never Been Kissed because 17 is a podcast where I – so I've been a journaler my whole life. So I'm going back into my high school journals um, from the year I was 17. And I am just spilling everything. So um, there's a great young actor named Leia. She is reading young Laura. Um, So she reads the journals. And then I'm there having kind of these conversations with my teenage self and going back to moments, um, prom and graduation and parties and um, first love or, you know, attempts at first love and and all the, the cringy stuff. And um, a lot of the people who were in the journals are in these episodes. So I'm interviewing um, friends, potential love interests, my mom. We are talking about sex, um, which she would not talk to me about as a teenager. So it's happening now. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the podcast like, and it's taking you back to the early 2000s, which is when I was 17. So even if you didn't grow up at that time, oh man, it's just like a pop culture treasure trove of, um, I'm, I mean, just like the films alone, like we're talking about Never Been Kissed, but so many of those movies I grew up on, it's like misogyny, um, homophobia. There's just like a lot of, a lot of bad in there, a lot of cringe in there. Um, but that's kind of mm-hmm. what we knew back then. So yeah, this is an eight episode podcast. Um, and you can listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. So we're talking a little bit about pop culture, a lot about what it's like being in high school and, uh, and, uh, yeah. That's that's what we're doing. 
I love that so much because if there's one thing that I've really been wishing for recently is I wish that like Gen Z could understand the culture that we grew up in in the 2000s because it's such a weird time and a lot of our media hasn't like a lot of our nostalgia stuff has been so firmly planted in the 80s lately Mm -hmm. um and yet we're like sharing the same internet spaces with gen z so they'll like go back and watch movies that we loved and they're like oh my god this is atrocious it's like no no no, you need to understand though like what was going on in the world at this time this was Uh, good by no standards this was this was so progressive can you believe it um yeah that i think that that's really magical and I commend you for doing that. I have gone through some of my old journals, some of my old Zangas and live mm. journals, and um, they have, they will never see the light of day. <laughs> they are locked down. Uh, no one needs that. <laughs> I was I was an emo kid, and I, I listened to, like, scene music. So there's a lot of sad girl poetry. Oh, yeah. I did a lot of, like, sitting alone in my room, lighting my candles, listening to Enya while I journaled. So I was I was special. <laughs> I, I, was, I was a special teen. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So listeners, I absolutely urge you all to listen to it. This is, it just, it's such all of your bread and butter. And I think that it'll, the the way that we've been able to help so many of you uh, heal your inner child of a a teen in the 2000s um, through movies, now you can have like firsthand experience and hopefully uh, it'll become your new fave as well. Yes. Come back, come Um, back in time with me. (laughs) Join me for the highs and lows of, of adolescence. Amazing. So we know where to find the podcast, but Lorley, where can we find you on the internet if you want people to find you on the internet? Yes, come find me on Twitter at Lorley Abbey. Um, you can find my website, laureleyabbey.com. Um, always shares what I'm working on. And um, you can find me on Instagram. I have a family Instagram because I'm just an old, tired mom. So it's mostly my kids, <laughs> but you can find us at the Abbey fam. You do have very cute kids. Thank though. you. Like very, they, they have to be cute because they're <laughs> maniacs. So <laughs> that's why they make babies so that's, cute, so that we don't like lose our I minds. I swear, I say it to my wife all the time. I'm like, this is why they're cute because <laughs> what would we do with them? We would just get rid of them. <laughs> Amazing. Well, friends, as always, you know where to find us: Twitter and Instagram at this ends up prom. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at BJ Colangelo. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Velocitraptor, Velosa underscore trap underscore tour. Thank you, as always, to the Sonderbombs for allowing us to use title as our theme song. Harmony, what cool indie band do you want people to check out this week? I want to shout out the Moore Family Band, who is a band made of siblings. Um, I tried to find something that felt like it would fit on this soundtrack. It's got some groovy uh, 90s alt-rock vibe, but it's also kind of punk. Little skate punk, little 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 surfer kind of vibes at times. They just recently released a song called Tired of Being Tired, and if that is not a whole fucking mood, then <laughs> I don't know what is. But also their album Missy from 2020 is phenomenal front to back, really cooks, great like chesty vocals from the lead singer, and huge fan. Love it. Yeah, I, you were playing some of them for me earlier, and I think they definitely fit on the soundtrack. It's 90s, it's surfy, it's, it's got a lot of fun stuff going on, so mm-hmm. definitely check them out. Yeah. All right, friends, that takes us out on Never Been Kissed. We want to thank Lorelei Abbey once again for being here. This was such a fun episode, and we hope we will see you all next week. And as always, save that last dance for us. Bye. Bye.
forever to get here. I know what you mean. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me.